and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 2, Episode 1, Brain Shrine, with Helen Spencer Waltz. We're back! We're back, we're back, we're back. I hope you enjoyed a beautiful summer. The artists of Future Prairie have been making and sharing new work, attending festivals, going to artist residencies, teaching classes, and hosting live shows, including a big summer arts festival. We had a great summer, and it was lovely to connect with some of you who listen to the podcast out and about in the real world. Today we're going to hear from artist Helen Spencer Wallace, who, along with her collaborator Addison Lane, has created a gorgeously dense interactive art piece called The Brain Shrine. I had the privilege of sitting inside The Brain Shrine for two days in a row. I also interviewed Helen and Addison in there. That interview was far too long to include on this podcast, so I'm going to post a full transcript of it up on our website, futureprairie.com. The Brain Shrine consists of hundreds of items from Helen's life, installed as one huge sculptural art piece. When you sit in front of it as a participant, Helen and Addison help you put on an EEG headset, which is this wearable device that records the electrical activity of your brain in a non-invasive way. As you sit in the Brain Shrine and you start to look over this vast array of objects, including Lace, globes, maps, bread, journals, letters, childhood photos, fresh fruit, lit candles, oil, hundreds of objects. Your brain is creating waves, and these wavelengths are mapped. The brainwaves you, as a participant, are creating by looking at the brain shrine are coordinated through creative coding to produce certain sounds, which then weave together to create an ethereal song. You heard a bit of this music at the beginning of this episode, and we'll include more of that sample throughout the episode so you can get a feel for what it was like to be there. The Brain Shrine is one of the best uses of creative coding I've seen in a while, and that's why I wanted to feature it first, coming into season two. The shrine has deep human meaning, and I'm excited to have Helen tell you a bit about herself and the intentions behind the piece. Helen, welcome to Future Prairie Radio Season 2. Thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, this is the most fun. I've been really looking forward to this conversation and dreaming about it every second for one week. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Helen Camille Spencer-Wallace. I generally use she pronouns, but sometimes I use they, but today I'd like to use she I am a artist, musician, person. I'm training to become a teacher of Alexander Technique. I study somatics and everyday neuroplasticity. A lot of my work is in creative coding right now. So working with technology, different sensors that give me data that I can do fun stuff with. This piece has come to be called the Brain Shrine. It's an installation that uses a variety of sensors to allow a participant to play a generative 
song instrument. This all happens in a place, a shrine, and a like a site that is made out of real objects from my life. For me, the language of playing came about as a way to capture the fact that the audio and interactivity aspect of this work is that it is interactive and that the audio is not simply a song or a loop. It's also not simply an instrument. For me, the verb playing gets at and suggests the fact that every person who does it creates a unique experience. The other thing is like, you know, the word play has this whole vibe to it of fun and uh, maybe like childhood for a lot of people. For me, certainly the, the point I think of the word play is really to encourage curiosity and to plant the seed of giving permission for curiosity as much as I possibly can. This work is a collaboration with my friend Addison. I went into um, an audio programming class. Um, Addison was also in that class. I started to learn the software program Max MSP. Addison and I um, started talking because Addison had um, this really amazing sensor that senses brainwave frequencies, and it's a headband that one person can wear at a time. Addison had worked with it some in the past and was interested in, in working with it in this audio programming context, and I just immediately knew that that was where to go. The other sensor that's really operating in this piece is an echolocation sensor, which is embedded in the middle or the heart of the piece. And so there's something also about uh, proximity. So the echolocation sensor uses kind of the same technology that our animal friend, the bat, uses. It tells how close objects are to it by bouncing um, sound waves out and then reading them as they come back into itself. I'm like an assistant and like a facilitator. The whole thing is completely synonymous to me with spellcrafting, tarot, intuition, divination, reflection, magic, reckoning, the intuitive arts. I'd like to give a content warning here. Helen's going to be sharing a personal story that includes mentions of domestic violence, restraining orders, and abuse. Those are some of the real documents that are in this work, and they're a very significant part of this spell that's happening overall. This is a receipt that the restraining order was served to him, and it is signed by a sheriff. We have the angel who is who's protecting me and everyone from this person, person who I refer to generally as BM. The garlic is protecting, and also one of the pieces of garlic is sprouting. One way to describe the entire brain shrine, I have only realized in the last couple of weeks, with the help of close friends speaking to them, is 
a strategy for healing from PTSD. The entire thing is like a manifestation of hypervigilance, of the ways that the physical trauma upon the brain of any kind of abuse works and the way that you process that, hopefully, and the way that you absolutely can heal from that and healing from that in a way that is validating and true in the face of the what was to me completely unprecedented uh, invalidation and gaslighting of my experience and the experience of the many other people who this person has abused. This, this whole thing is, is a strategy and it's a way of figuring out continually who I even am and what even happened and it's a reminder and um, and it's a layer of memory and a presentation of memory because everyone has different experiences with trauma and my experience has been that it can be really hard to remember like who you are and what's going on and what happened even though you also are somehow connected to a deep and actually objective truth of what happened. Um, this is the most public I've yet been with speaking explicitly about my experience with this particular abuser. This person lives in my city. This person, I can only assume, is going to continue to try and harm me. Um, and I don't have all the answers at all about what I'm going to fucking do about that. One of the other documents that's here is, um, is the consent agreement that we signed, he and I, on October 15th, 2018. He contested the restraining order, so that meant that I had to um, get a lawyer. Well, I didn't have to, but I decided to get a lawyer um, to represent myself in court, which would have meant in front of a judge, in front of him, whoever wanted to be in the courtroom, lawyers and stuff. Likely, I would have been questioned about the entire relationship. Um, I would have been expected to be speaking about it in ways that were intelligible, accurate, comprehensible. So I spent a couple months trying to do that, um, preparing with lawyers, going over what happened over and over, trying not to forget it. This entire effort is not only in service of protection of myself, like I said, but it is absolutely in service of protection of, of other people. We, can, we signed that consent agreement. Fortunately, I didn't actually have to say all that stuff in front of a judge. Mm -hmm. um, the consent agreement will expire and then I will have no particular legal protections um, from him and I am very both very scared about what's going to happen but also I've been like to such depths of fear around this that uh, that I I have good strategies around it now and I know that ultimately no matter what happens 
I will be okay, my soul is okay, and I am with integrity uh, with my allies and guides. I want to thank Helen for being so vulnerable with us for sharing her story and for committing to this art in service of a better future for her community members. After discussing the abuse, we took a nice long break. When we came back, we got into how she designed the audience engagement aspects of the sculptural piece. She also shared some further inspirations behind the work and some of its individual objects, and how the brain shrine relates to her queer identity. And the other thing that emerged through this process is that when we set it up, we realized like, oh, there's people here now. Um, there's this audio that is playing and we need to, it's something that we need to tell people, give some amount of instruction as to just like how to do it. No one is in the brain shrine. When no one's really close, you hear a literal noise sound you need to tell people what what to do and that has turned into an invitation to play explicit permission for curiosity for pleasure I receive people one-on-one and I am holding space for them the moment they enter this the space the room and I hold space for them while they are playing it and I am I'm here for them and they they know that all of this is like deeply informed by consent and integrity I love knowing that people are only gonna see what they see or sense what they sense out of this it'll never be like some type of comprehensive in terms of like stepping to some objective reality of the work or of me or of any story i love that i just love that i love seeing people a huge part of this whole thing is that i get to watch people i get to watch people i'm standing behind them and so is addison and we just we get to watch people and it's the most fun thing and we're just like crying and giggling and having all of our feelings behind (laughs) while we're watching everyone do stuff and (laughs) it's just that's that's a part of it is that you got a front row seat yeah we have a front row seat and we are part of this and our pleasure and our feelings are totally part of this as well there's a lot of there's a lot of things the entire thing is a spell the entire thing is a spell (laughs) the entire thing is a ritual the whole thing is a divination the whole thing is a reading. The whole thing is a performance. For me, there's always a whole femme thing because of who I am. I identify as femme. I have been in many ways raised as femme. I am assigned female at birth in this society. And I also identify as a woman. And I also identify as non-binary and gender non-conforming. So for me, it just feels like there's a lot of great things happening at once, which is, I think, really femme. I'm queer. Femme and queer are, are, are right next to each other, like whispering and 
making out. Queer is, of course, a reclamation. There's this whole, like, Victorian femme thing. White gloves. Um, and if you notice, one of the fingers is, is split. There is um, a, a blue and white gingham checkered bonnet. That bonnet came to me when I was 13 with two close femme friends of mine. We all found bonnets, and it was one of the first times that I can remember doing lineage, femme, spell, work more explicitly for myself, like more consciously. The bonnet is so many things. It's women's work. It's my grandma, Carol, my grandmother, Joanne. It's my grandmother, Grammy, um, women. It's, it's white women, white supremacist women, women in resistance to various things. Then to the left, you have the red baseball cap from Floyd's Barbershop from Main Street in Mayberry, North Carolina, which is a cap that was given to me by a woman who I fell in love with in New York City a couple years ago. She, at least at the time, was a carpenter, and she was one of the various forces and women who led me to my own um, work in construction and carpentry. Something about, about Ivy's red baseball cap with construction safety glasses resting on it that is right next to our blue and white gingham bonnet, which I'm quite sure, by the way, is potentially pre-1900. There's something about them, there's something about work, and there's something about women. I do think of a lot of, a lot of this whole thing in terms of dichotomies and binaries. Yeah, there's um, that construction hat I wore on job sites. Um, you have documents from my graduation from a pre-apprenticeship program, which brought me back from New York after uh, various things, including the 2016 election, uh, including that time I fell in love with the woman with the red baseball cap. by the sheer scale of the work. Helen and Addison have installed this massive piece of art at a few locations around town, and they're looking for more galleries to host the work in the future. If you're interested in hosting the Brain Shrine, reach out, let us know, and we'll put you in touch. Also, I'd love for you to see some photos of the Brain Shrine so you can really get a sense of it. You can see those and read our full interview that has way more information about Helen's work and a full interview with Addison. It's up at futureprairie.com forward slash journal. Future Prairie is sponsored by Aria Portland Dry Gin. If you're looking for the perfect refreshment to serve at a fall party where you torture your friends and quiz them about what the future is going to be like, look no further than Aria Gin. Made from fair trade, non-GMO, sustainably harvested ingredients, distilled in Mount Hood glacial snow melt and Cascade Mountain rainwater, some of the purest and finest water on the screen earth. 
Arya's Classic London Dry Style Gin has been named the best domestic gin under 30 bucks by Thrillist. Find out more at ariagin.com. That's it. Thanks for joining us. I'm really excited to be sharing season two with you. Let me know if you have any feedback or questions. You can always get in touch at hello at futureperry.com.